road to the Super Bowl is long and pointless. I mean, when you think about it. <laughs> Football's so great. But now, the two conference champs must survive a harrowing bye week that no one enjoys. And gentlemen, what is up? Coming to you from the Cosa Nostra studios, I'm Matty Buller, and thank you for tuning in to the Almost Wise Guys freaking Super Bowl extravaganza. This week's show is like Gronk at an after party. It's lit! And uh, in just a moment, we're going to get to the news of the week, but first, with me as always, from Almost Wise Guys Central, for the last time this football season, my good buddy, fellow Domer fan, Niner honk and uh, all around good guy prognosticator. It's Andy the prognosticator Attridge. How are you today, man? Maddie, it's the Super Bowl. It is the big the big dance, man. Game of games, the puppy post game show, the gambler's delight, super duper Sunday. Call it what you want, but I am stoked. This is gonna be great. This is like Christmas for Andrew. It's lit! It's lit. Now, I must say, as excited as I am, I'm also a little sad. Uh, excited for the big game on the weekend, but uh, a little sad. Is this going to be our last NFL podcast this season? Yeah. So I, I'm I sad to too, take, buddy. Take this time to thank you, Maddie, and also our faithful listeners. Um, we've been downloaded a lot uh, this year and in many different countries. So. Nonetheless, I'm uh, I'm ecstatic and also appreciative. So thank you very much to our faithful listeners. Not just many different countries. Uh, you are correct. It, it, four different continents we've been mm -hmm. downloaded in. And uh, a special shout out, actually, because every week I see it. Uh, we get a decent amount of listenership in Ben Salem, Pennsylvania. When I look at the stats, I actually had to look up where that was. And uh, loving the fact that Ben Salem's represented here. So thank you guys for listening as well. And uh, also to uh, our faithful guy, uh, Ronald Simmons, who's always on our Facebook page talking it up. Yeah, so, he's probably uh, still crying about that Saints call a couple weeks ago. Yeah, he is a big Saints honk. So he's probably, <clears throat> yeah, it's probably hard for him to even leave the house right now. I wonder if he's got one of those voodoo dolls that uh, I keep hearing about on the news. Yeah, you know, and I do have to say this to Saints fans, though, you know, uh, sack up. Now, yeah. the game, okay, the game's over. You're not, definitely not the first team to ever be jobbed by the officials in a championship game, especially in the NFL. Um, I agree that it, you know, it was a horrible call, but they also missed that face mask call on Jared Goff not too long before that, which would have put the Rams at first in goal. Uh, probably to score a touchdown instead of having to settle for a field goal. The the officials miss stuff. If you're a real football team, that's when you got to nut up and grind through it. The Saints still had a chance to keep the Rams off the board by putting their defense out on the field, and uh, they didn't. They, they, they let the Rams get into field goal position. And uh, one thing I do have to say, too, I was pretty impressed with how Jared Goff did not wilt when the going got tough. That kid. Oh, no, uh, man. He, there was one throw that he did on his, on, on his hind leg, falling backwards, getting sacked, and you know made a nice completion for, I think it was a third down. But you're right. I mean, in a, in a game on that stage that's so big, it shouldn't come down to any one play. Like, Jesus Christ, the Saints had a 13-point lead at one point. They're at home. They've got two of the best running backs in the league. Milk the clock. Run it out. Yeah, they got it out, dude. Yeah, close it out. Not to mention, why don't you get on your head coach for calling a pass on first down? Yeah. Because that incomplete yeah. pass stopped the clock. You know, you're right. Run that clock out. You don't have to be glamorous. You just want to get the W. Yeah, and a, and a ticket to the Super Bowl. But anyway, that's what happened. So, yep, there's that. Now, we will have a slightly different format for this episode, so people know, uh, because we're only talking about one game. We're also going to be throwing out some stats, some prop bets, uh, and Andy's going to test me with uh, some Super Bowl trivia. I hope you guys are better at it than I am, because uh, Andy always pulls out some pretty hard ones. So we'll see how I do. But uh, shall we move on to News of the Week, my friend? We shall, indeed. Indeed. 
CBS has rejected a Super Bowl television ad calling for the legalization of medical marijuana sponsored by one of the largest cannabis investment companies. We're disappointed by the news, but somewhat unsurprised. A quote from uh, CNN Business. Uh, the quote goes on to say, still, we developed the ad in the spirit of public announcement. We feel it's our responsibility to advocate on behalf of our patients. Scott Griepier, uh, the president of Veridin Capital Advisors, one of the largest investment advisors in the space, said the tricky legal status of marijuana causes large companies like CBS um, it causes them concern to promote a federally le illegal substance. He added, and I quote, it's unfortunate and it's conservative, but their concerns are legitimate. So you have a network, CBS, that pays tens of millions of dollars to broadcast an extremely violent sport whose athletes include drunk drivers, wife beaters, and even some murderers. But medical marijuana might be a PR nightmare for them. Does this make CBS the teapot or the kettle? I promise Donald J. Trump, I promise Donald J. Trump that I will never take drugs. I will never take drugs. I don't want to say no alcohol, but take it easy on the alcohol. And speaking of criminal behavior, Detroit Lions linebacker Trevor Bates has been charged with assaulting a New York City police officer after refusing to pay a $30 taxi fare. Bates was arrested and taken to an NYPD precinct where he became increasingly agitated and punched Sergeant James O'Brien in the face, according to the district attorney's statement. Bates was subsequently tased and O'Brien was transported to a local hospital where he was treated for a concussion and received three stitches over his left eye. Bates faces charges of second-degree assault, obstructing governmental administration, theft of service, and resisting arrest. If convicted, Bates could be sentenced to anything from probation up to seven years in prison. And if he goes to prison, he'll probably be forced to switch positions from linebacker to tight end. Don't be Peter Gazin. When you go to the shower, keep your motherfucking soap in your container. If you drop your soap while in the shower, let that shit, let it go. Hall of Fame quarterback Joe Montana is reportedly getting into the medical marijuana business. Montana's venture capital firm Liquid2 Ventures is involved in a $75 million investment into Caliva, which is a company that works with medical marijuana and features a farm, retail store, distribution center, and delivery service. Montana thinks medical marijuana, quote, can provide relief to many people and can make a serious impact on opioid use or addiction. Instead of being nicknamed the comeback kid, he could be the Pennsylvania pinner, the blowback guy, or even shotgun Joe. So you think Montana's a pinner guy? I'm guessing more of a cannon dude myself. Also, that delivery service is very tempting. If he can deliver weed with the efficiency that he delivered the ball to Clark and Rice during his little Super Bowl runs, uh, you know you're getting your weed on time. I I'm getting chills just thinking about it. For the upstart 49ers, they're six yards away from Pontiac. Third and three. The right side, possibly. Montana, looking, looking, throwing in the end zone. Dwight Clark! It's a madhouse at Candlestick. All right, let's fire it up. It's time for our weekly picks. Well, here we are, last game of the season, Maddie. And sometimes it's hard to evaluate the line in the big game because there have been so few of them. Now, if there was only a team playing with a larger sample size with which to draw predictive conclusions. Oh, right. That will be this one. Tom Brady's ninth Super Bowl in, wait for it, 18 years in the league. Wide open in the end zone. Touchdown, Patriots. Beautiful pass by Tom Brady. Yeah, Brady! He's awesome. I can't believe Giselle gets to sleep with him. But let's take a closer look how he has fared so far in eight trips to the big dance. As we all know, he has five rings and three losses. Two to the Giants and, of course, last year to the Eagles. More importantly for our purposes, here are the margin of victories for all eight matches. In chronological order, three-point win against the Rams, 
three-point win against the Panthers, three-point win against the Eagles, three-point loss to the Giants, four-point loss to the Giants, four-point win over the Seahawks, two years ago yielded a six-point win over the Falcons in overtime, and then, of course, last year where they lost to the Eagles by eight points. My point is, regardless of their success in being able to get there and usually win, they are always close games. Do you agree, Maddie? Oh, I totally agree. Do you think this one's going to be close? I do think it's going to be close. When you match up their defenses and offenses, the fact that uh, both are now kind of almost rushing teams, I'm expecting it to uh, stay within a touchdown at least. Right. And so just so our listeners know, right now the line is minus two and a half, and it's it's been there for most of the week. It tickled three for 20 minutes. Um, it actually opened as the Rams being one-point favorites, but that quickly got bet down in favor of the Patriots. Now, I'm probably going to get some death threats from Patriots fans, but just hear me out, okay? Even though Belichick and Brady are total first ballot Hall of Fame inductees, Lady Luck should be included in that conversation. Oh, she's given, she's given both those guys quite a few happy endings after their Super Bowl massages. Well, let's look back to the AFC Championship game uh, two weeks ago. Okay, D Ford, defensive player in the Chiefs. If he doesn't line up in the neutral zone, that game's over, and we would be discussing Kansas City right now. Not to mention the help from the officials with that uh, phantom uh, uh, roughing the passer call. I, I didn't. Someone make contact with one of his eyelashes. Yeah, well, you know. Now in the Super Bowl game against Atlanta two years ago, they were down twenty-eight to three and needed a field goal, two touchdowns, and two two-point conversions just to tie the game. And at the time, it was less than one-tenth of one percent of that occurring, according to ESPN. Also, consider the Super Bowl where they beat the Seahawks, when Pete Carroll had the biggest coaching brain fart the league has ever seen and decided not to run the ball with Marshawn Lynch, but instead threw a nice chess pass over the middle to Malcolm Butler. In 2001... Tom Brady in the AFC Championship game again was the beneficiary of the rarely called tuck rule against the Raiders. A game whereby Adam Vinatieri kicked a 45 field goal in big snow to win the game with 27 seconds left. And lastly, let's consider the fact that the reason why the New England Patriots are eternally in the playoffs is that in part because they are in the AFC East and get to play the Jets, Dolphins, and Bills twice a year. Yeah, this is a team that has definitely benefited from Lady Luck and some help from the league and the officials, you know. They've had some... They've always been at the focal point of controversy too, right? Deflategate, which I didn't think there was much to that, but Spygate there definitely was. And uh, although I guess it, it is fair to say I once had a coach that told me, you know, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. Well, Brady's, you know, he's even doing it this week, trying to play the role of the underdog. Oh, everyone hates us, and yeah, we're the underdog, and uh, no, dude, sorry. No one, no one thinks you're the underdog. That's, that's not how this works. Um, no, there's no I, way a guy that's going to his ninth Super Bowl in 18 years can be considered an underdog. No, and I, I don't think anyone's buying into that narrative. Maybe the guy's in his locker room, but um, you mentioned earlier about how these teams have transformed into... Well, not primarily a rushing teams, but teams that rush more than others. Well, let's look at how their defense uh, is against the rush. Right now, the Patriots are 26th and the Rams 27th in the league in rushing yards allowed per attempt at 4.8. If we look on in passing yards allowed per completion, they're 21st and 22nd at 10.9 and 11.0 respectively. Now, I like to use uh, yards per attempt and per completion because they're better measures and don't reflect garbage time or run-to-pass percentages or ratios. So bottom line is neither of them have great defenses. Um, Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how the Patriots handle C.J. Anderson. That dude is a rumbling, stumbling, fumbling big man. And uh, if he starts, like, during the playoffs, the way the uh, Rams' O-line has been blocking – 
he's making first contact with the safeties. And if New England wants wants any chance of stopping the Rams uh, offense, they're going to have to get they're going to have to stuff those uh, those those A and B gaps. Now, respectively, as well, uh, the Rams are really going to have to concentrate on Sony Michelle because that guy has been beating teams and giving Brady a lot of breathing time. So and, and not only that, too, with the pass game, uh, Tom Brady's dropped back over 80 times this playoffs. He's been hit only twice. Uh, the and Rams sacked sack zero, sack zero times. And they're going to have to. And now I know Aaron Donald, he's, he's the guy. But with Brady, getting pressure from the outside isn't nearly as important as getting pressure from the inside. Because if you pressure him from the outside, that guy has seen it. He's done it before. He calmly oh, steps up. Off passes, yep, steps up in the pocket. Exactly. You got to get that pressure right up in his face. So it is going to be really interesting. Now, also very interesting about uh, Wade Phillips. Uh, he's one of the few coaches to have like a consistent success against Belichick. He's 14 and 12 over his career against Belichick. I didn't realize that, but I'll tell you that the Super Bowl that the Denver Broncos won where he was a defensive coordinator, that guy should have got MVP of the game. Yeah. Well, it was it was his scheme on defense uh, that won them that Super Bowl. Well, and he did a great job neutralizing Michael Thomas against the Saints as well in the uh, NFC Championship. So I think Wade Phillips, if he comes up scheming, uh, Brady and uh, Josh McDa uh, McDaniel better have something up their sleeve for that. Just before we get into our prop bets, Maddie, I got a I got a trivia question for you. Sure, bud. Which future Super Bowl winning head coach caught a touchdown pass from Roger Staubach in Super Bowl VI? Wow. Uh, just a coach, eh? Oh, Sean Payton. <laughs> in Super Bowl VI? Yeah, no, I guess not. Dude, who's your favorite team? The Bears. And in the modern era, who's the best coach? Dicka. Oh, it would have been Mike Dicka. Yeah. <laughs> Mike Dicka. I always forget he played for the Cowboys. Yeah, that makes, yeah. that makes me a little sad. That part. You always have to forget that part of his NFL career, right? <laughs> that yeah. He was a Cowboy at one time. Right now, they got that polar vortex going on in Chicago. Everybody's staying inside. But you know, my man Dicka's doing laps in the frozen river. That's how he, that's how he stays tough. Yep. Yep. Uh, well, let's get into a, let's get into prop bets. Let's just talk about them in general now, because yeah, you can bet on the side. You can pick the point spread. You can pick the total. You can pick them on the money line. But really, the conversations around you at your Super Bowl party are going to revolve around prop bets. So, in general, don't go for ones that are long odds. Like, you know, will there be a safety at eight to one? I mean, you can. But don't waste a lot of money on it. These things aren't going to happen. Um, you know, something like that should be twenty to one. They just take advantage of uninformed betters. Uh, so you're saying, I, so you're saying I shouldn't bet five units on the coin flip? Mm, well, I heard there was a lot of short money on tails, but again, Maddie, only do it for fun. Well, tails uh, never fails. Although, uh, tell that to the Chiefs who lost the overtime coin toss in the AFC Championship when the Pats correctly called heads. Yeah, yeah. Um, and novelty props are always popular. We always hear about people betting on the coin toss, like you said, or the over/under on the length of the national anthem. I've got a five. <laughs> I've got a five under. Super Bowl winning streak on the over/under on the anthem. It went four years in a row. It went over, and last year it went under. No, it's it's going to go under this year as well. Gladys Knight doesn't. She doesn't mess around. Nope. She's a professional. Um, there's always ones related to halftime shows. You know, is someone going to be wearing a leather jacket? Uh, yeah, you're probably listening. Will to the Adam Levine? Will Adam Levine finger bang his dumper in public? I don't know. I would. I'd put. I'd put that at even money. Would you? <laughs> the no best. The best Super Bowl prop that I ever won was when Lenny Kravitz uh, was was playing, and it was uh, it was paying like minus one twenty, whether or not Lenny Kravitz would wear a scarf. And I literally, I put 300 bucks down because when was the last time you saw Lenny Kravitz on stage without a scarf? And of course, won that bet. It was an excellent, uh, 
But I, that was, uh, that you was know amazing what? to I me. I saw him play in 1993 in England, and there was an actual heat wave going through the UK. It was almost 30 degrees, which for them was nuts. Uh, but I did see him play without a scarf live once. Wow. That's, uh, that's statistically, you know, he, that's what you would call an outlier. That's, that, that definitely is. Um, now, let's, just before we get to any more actual proposition predictions, got another trivia question for you. Okay. The line right now sits at two and a half for the Patriots. What team was the most heavily favored going into a Super Bowl? Would it be the Baltimore Colts against the New York Jets, Super Bowl three? Sir, you are very close. That was an 18-point spread. However, in 1995, the San Francisco 49ers, my San Francisco 49ers, were 18-and-a-half-point favorites over the San Diego Superchargers. And the final score of that, 49-26. How ironic they scored 49 points and also covered the spread. That was a good Super Bowl. Now, for our first proposition bet, it's a name that, Maddie, you've already mentioned. And this is a certain C.J. Anderson to go over 40 and a half yards rushing. I want to make this point, and I want to make it very clearly. I don't care how fat the, that guy is right now. He can run between the tackles better than anyone else in the league right now. Yeah, and he's, and, and he's still got some great speed for a big man. He, well, and it, I think it's because he's been well-rested, right? He's you know, played Jer- with three different teams this year, and he's certainly not had a full 18-game schedule. Hey, Jerome uh, Bettis, Hall of Famer, that dude wasn't exactly a skinny little dude. No, he was a north-south guy as well. See, yep. Todd Gurley is not that good at up the middle. His his strength is going to the outside and cutting it up because of his speed and strength. Yeah, but he CJ likes to Anderson get the edge. just powers you. And um, I took a look at their fumbles this year. So C.J. Anderson, is he's only fumbled um, four times in six seasons in the league. Todd Gurley has fumbled 11 times in four seasons. So if the Rams get a lead, which they're happy to sit on and milk the clock, who is it they're most likely to give the ball to? The guy with the better hands. Most definitely. And the inside runner. You don't want the guy getting outside and going out of bounds, stopping the clock. Absolutely. So prop bet C.J. Anderson going over 40 and a half rushing yards. That's a lock. It's lit! Okay, I got another trivia question for you. Going back to coaching. Who was the only coach to lose a Super Bowl with two different teams without winning once with either of them? Oh, 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 I got it, I got it. That one I actually do know it is Dan Reeves. That's correct. Uh, with the Broncos and the Atlanta Falcons, respectively. I, you know, and Dan Reeves, uh, for his Super Bowl losses, yes, I know he gets uh, a lot of flack about that, but that guy was a great head coach. Oh, uh, for sure. I, I think, and, you know, it, he lost a couple tough games. Uh, those Super Bowl losses were pretty tough, but, man, he, he, he doesn't get the credit he deserves. No, not at all. Now, if you want a vanilla, a very vanilla prompt bet, but you want to cash money in early, here's one for you. Opening kickoff to be a touchback. Most books are sitting on this thing at minus 180. So you got to pay a bit of juice for it. But hear me out. Most times, if they win the coin toss, the Patriots defer. Okay? So they're going to be kicking the ball away. And let's say it's a 50-50 decision for Sean McVay. So there's a 75% chance that the Rams are going to end up with the ball. And Gostowski has one of the best touchback percentages in the league. Also, consider the fact that these guys are amped up, right? So their special teams coach is just going to want to settle their nerves. Okay, just kneel down. We'll start it from the 20. Don't do anything crazy. Don't do anything nuts. And we'll carry it on from there. Almost okay? definitely. They, they, there's, it's also a good strategy, too, to get that touchback. The last thing you want is a Devin Hester-like return to give the Rams a, uh, you know, a, a Super Bowl lead first play of the game. Yeah, Absolutely. And while we're on the uh, subject of the beginning of the game, another prop bet that I really like is to money line the Rams on the first quarter. And a lot of that is for the same reasons I just said. They're both 75% uh, 
more likely to get the ball to start with. And right now, the money line's paying plus 105. So, you know, even if it's a scoreless um, first quarter, you get your money back. Now, Maddie, speaking of scoreless first quarters, it's happened twice in the Super Bowl. And guess what? What? Both of those games eclipsed the total game total. Wow. That is, uh, think- that's an interesting stat for sure. Yeah, something to think about. Uh, another quick trivia question for you, Maddie. The lowest predicted total of any game occurred in 2001 when the Baltimore Ravens played the New York football giants. And also during a three-year stretch between 1973 and 1975, what was said total in those games? Oh, Ravens Giants, I'd have to put it in the like high 30s. So would it be like 37, 38 and a half? Oh, the good old days. No, it's actually even lower. It's 33. Wow. And in fact, all three of those games that I mentioned in the 70s, they all went under. Wow. D- different era, man. Different Much era. different. Well, nowadays yeah. the rules are a lot more skewed to offense. So those yeah. those totals have crept up year after year. And they're also more indicative of more aggressive coaching styles. And that leads us in to our next prop bet. Did you, did you see what I did there with that transition? Did you like I that? saw that. I like what yeah? you're doing. All right. So the LA Rams to convert a fourth down conversion. The answer equals yes at minus 125. They've already done it three times in these playoffs. Yeah, Sean McVay loves to go for it on fourth if it's if it's yeah. got good decent field position, especially. Yeah. Now I, I think the operative word in this proposition is convert, but you know, it's not like he's gonna do it on fourth and thirteen when they're you know at their own twenty. No, you're talking it's, fourth and one and it's CJ Anderson up the poop. Bam! Bam! Come on, Dad. No, not now, son, not Come now. Come on, Dad. Bam. Bam. Boys, I can't give you a bam, but I can give you a, a green agent. All right, uh, I've got a, a, tri- a trivia question, which is actually new for me. I'd never heard of it before, and you're going to have to put your thinking cap on. When was the last time a team won a Super Bowl one year after losing a Super Bowl? Oh, won the Super Bowl one year after losing the Super Bowl because usually teams have a hard time making the playoffs after they lose in the Super Bowl. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to say the the Dallas Cowboys. Not a bad guess. They've, they've been to the big dance eight or eight times, I believe. But no, you have to go back to 1972 to the undefeated Miami Dolphins. Who the year before they lost the Super Bowl, then they ran the table the next year, and that That's was right. Super Bowl five. Wow, uh, five and six. So you have to go back that far. Okay, so think about that when when you're placing your bet at the wicket this week. Uh, what do you want to talk about next, Maddie? I'd like to talk about some of these uh, these teams' offenses. Um, because a lot of people like to talk about the the lack of experience on the Rams and all the experience sits with the uh, the Pats. But I seem to remember a certain young quarterback from Michigan that took over for Drew Bledsoe, and he goes into the Super Bowl, and everybody was doubting him, and uh, they end up and you know going against the greatest show on turf. You know, the veteran Hall of Famer or soon-to-be Hall of Famer Kurt Warner and his crew that were tearing it up. And uh, Tom Brady won that Super Bowl with very little experience. Uh, He didn't even play the whole season that year. (laughs) So I I think experience always, I think it plays too much into some people's thoughts because you got to remember, man, once that kickoff happens and the butterflies go away, it's just another football game. Right, and they have to remember they've got you know old man Phillips, bum's son, right? Son of that bum, son of bum, um, and you can use his wisdom and experience, and and that trickles down to the rest of the team. It even, let's say, cross trickles against the other uh, coaches on the staff. I don't think. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't think it's. I mean, Jared Goff's young. He's he's unproven in the Super Bowl, but he's certainly not unproven in the playoffs. And I think they learned their lesson last year. 
about resting their guys. These guys are going to be pretty amped up. And, you know, the guy's got a luxury of a really good, solid running game to rely on. He doesn't have to throw the ball down the field. Um, And he doesn't have to carry the whole team on his shoulders like Tom Brady does. Nope. I think if if the Rams play a complete game, I mean, their their O line keeps blocking the way they are, where where CJ Anderson isn't having to make contact till he hits the secondary, uh, where Jared Goff is throwing uh, the smart passes he's been throwing this playoffs. They haven't been turning the ball over much. Uh, I think they've got a really good shot here. Now, New England's defense, I'll give it up for them in the fact that they seem to have stepped their game up uh, in the playoffs this year. They played a, they played some pretty good looking defense. But uh, they didn't look super awesome against the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. And when Patrick Mahomes really did want to move the ball downfield, especially in the second half, they let it happen. I I can definitely see the Ram, you know, but on the other side of the ball, uh, it's amazing how the Pats constantly reinvent their their offense and just in in general their strategy the one thing i will admit about bill belichick even though i can't stand the patriots is that rather than him thinking okay this is the strategy i like this is the strategy i go with he goes with the strategy that fits his personnel so he's got sony michelle and an o-line that's great at run blocking what does he do he turns into an almost power run offense uh with a lot of short uh west coast style passing you know, because right. he doesn't he's have got, Randy Moss stretching the field anymore. No, but but, but he does have Dev, or James Devlin as a fullback. Yep. Oh, right? that guy's a beast. You know, and we can we'll talk about him a little later. But like, how many teams even have what's called a fullback? I mean, the 49ers do, but that's just for salary reasons. Yeah, that's gone the way of the uh, dodo almost. Uh, uh, yeah. The uh, the the Chicago Bears have a have a good fullback as well, though. Is he big and from Stanford? He is. <laughs> yeah. that's for most of the fullbacks <laughs> uh, yeah no and you know what I'm going to fault uh, the defensive coordinator who is now fired um, from the Chiefs they didn't put any pressure on Brady whatsoever no. last week or two weeks ago rather I mean that was that's the only way you can beat him well it's the only proven way in the playoffs he's ever lost is right? you know and, when you and, watch the the Giants beat them twice, they were all up in Brady's grill for the entire game. You can't give yeah. them any plays off. So when you've got Indomik and Sue, and you've got Aaron Donald, and you've got these linebackers that are probably one of the best linebacking cores in the league, uh, maybe with the exception of your Bears. and and two shutdown corners and man yeah. man coverage is very important to play against the Pats. You can't well, sit you back can, in yes, zones. Now you can do that with Talib, right? You can leave him on. We'll call it Talib Island, right? Hey, Peters ain't too bad himself. No, not at all. Um, you know, on you know, for the Patriots, Belichick obviously does one thing really well, and he takes away your biggest weapon. Who is that going to be? Is it going to be Todd Gurley? All right. They can still pass the ball. What, and which receiver are you going to shut down? Um, it's a little more transparent with, with the Patriots because Edelman's the go-to guy. Yeah, I mean, Gronk's going to catch a couple. But you saw that game, and I said it before. The New England Patriots don't mug you at gunpoint. They pick your pocket when you're not looking. And before you know, they're up by two or three touchdowns. And they do a dink and dunk show. Yep. And they, you know, they take their five yards. Like, how many third down conversions did Edelman have in that last game? It seemed like a half a dozen at least. Well, and, and Belichick doesn't feel the need to be flashy or showy. No. He just wants the W. And if and if nickel and diamond you how is how he's going to do it, he'll do it that way. He doesn't care about glamour. He cares no. about the result. Well, speaking about prolific offenses, I've got another trivia question for you, Maddie. What team set the record at 602 for most yards gained in a Super Bowl? You know what? I know this because it's one of my all-time favorite Super Bowl stories, and it's on uh, it, after Super Bowl 25, Sports Illustrated put out this uh, greatest highlights of the Super Bowl. And one of my absolute favorite stories is Doug Williams in the corner, in the quarter, when they uh, the Washington Redskins are playing the Denver Broncos. I can't remember what Super Bowl it was. It was uh, in 1988. 88. So they were down 14 to nothing after the first quarter. 
And uh, our man Doug Williams, first real black uh, quarterback to play uh, for an NFL team, uh, stepped up and delivered a 35-point second quarter, which will forever go down in history as the quarter. Uh, and the Redskins uh, ended up winning the game. Right. And, and actually, the Redskins, uh, first and only team to field a Canadian at the quarterback position and Mark Ripien to win a Super Bowl. So good for them for being so diverse. Yeah. Now, uh, and you know, too bad with Dan Snyder nowadays. Their uh, <laughs> their diversity is basically what kind of criminals don't other teams want. Now, when people hear the name Redskins, they will immediately think titties and baths. It's just a bold new way that we can say we don't fucking care. Go Redskins! Exactly. Oh, Jesus. Uh, let's talk about some fun props. And when I say fun, I mean ones at longer odds. You're probably not going to win, but at least it keeps a rooting interest in it. And one thing I didn't mention before, it's nice to correlate your props. So if you think the Rams are going to have a big running game, take Jared Goff's passing numbers and, and bet them under. But also spread them around. So even if it's a lopsided game at halftime, you still got a rooting interest. And yeah, just spread the prop bets around. Here's, um, here's one that'll occur in the, likely in the first half. Will the first field goal be either blocked or kicked short at 10 to 1? And these two teams both have great kickers. So, you know, the fact that it's going to be played inside, if they're maybe 53 yards out from a legitimate field goal, they might go for it. So a blocked or a kick or a, a short kicked one isn't out, out of the realm of possibility. So a 10 to 1 might be a fun one. Now, I got another one, and again, this has to do with uh, an early play. So, the first Rams player to make a reception. So, I think the way that uh, McVeigh is going to start Goff out, he's going to start off on high percentage, low yardage passes, and I see Tyler Higby, their tight end, probably getting one of the first receptions. If he does get the first one, and, and it's a completion, 12 to 1 odds on that. I think that's a very smart play right there. I think that's because you're absolutely right about McVay. He's a very smart coach. He loves the high percentage stuff, especially early. And with a young quarterback and a running game where you can go play action, Higby is a good bet. Yeah, and another thing I want to throw out there. I mean, the Rams might be comfortable in a spot where they're the underdog. Nine out of the last 11 Super Bowls have been won outright by the underdog. Wow. Did you know that? Yeah, pretty impressive. Which means the betting public doesn't know anything about betting. And it's really the betting public that drives these lines. It's not sharp or wise guy money. Uh, there's too much public money to the tune of about $5 billion this year. So there you go. Um, I've got one other large, huge odds bet. So if, if you're short on a mortgage payment and <laughs> you, you got an extra 10 bucks kicking around in your wallet, um, we mentioned him before. And this is the fullback from the Patriots, James Devlin. This guy's 260 pounds. He's a freaking battering ram. And he is the key to their run game for the Pats. As we said, most people, most teams don't even have the luxury of a fullback. But this guy's the real deal. Um, in, in plays where Sony Michelle and Devlin line up, they run the ball over 84% of the time. And... This guy can get you better yardage, short yardage, than anyone else. And if they're first and goal on the one or first and goal on the two, this guy could easily get those those carries. And if he's good for two, let's stretch it, say even three touchdowns, well, how can you not give it to someone? Odds on this, 400 to one. Boom. Boom. It's lit! Yeah, you know, and that jogged me as well, uh, just going outside of the prop bet here for a second, but because of how much they're running the ball. And because of how important it's going to be for the Rams to get inside pressure, stuffing those A and B gaps and getting to, to Brady that way, uh, this game, I think, goes the way Indomitian Sue goes. Because every now and then he doesn't show up. But when he shows up, he's a huge factor. And I, I think that if Indomitian Sue is able to, to get in the backfield, get those pressures. They're going to have a harder time running the ball. Brady's going to have a harder time getting time back in the pocket because he's not going to be able to step up against the rush. Uh, that would definitely favor the Rams that way. 
Do you think that there should be, if there isn't already, a prop bet on whether or not Dominic and Sue will stomp on someone's helmet after the whistle is blown? <laughs> they should, or the old Bill Romanowski spit on him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck no. i love romo romo oh, was no. awesome that Where guy was he, need him? he was guy the was crotchetiest fucker in every play certifiable like that guy was the craziest football <laughs> player i've ever seen in my life yeah. he's one of those dudes that you love it when he's on your team but you just hated to play against him and indomitian well, kind of has that attitude you know he played on the broncos for a while and then he came over to my 49ers and yeah i was glad to have him in my locker room as he's, opposed to going against them He's been on a lot of Super Bowl teams, though, which yeah. has to correlate as well. That guy wanted to win, and he did anything he could. All right, Matty, I'm going to throw one last proposition bet out for you. It's my favorite one of the year. Fired away, from, buddy. You heard it from me first. Okay, so let me paint a picture for you. 28 years ago in Super Bowl 25 between the New York football giants and the Buffalo Bills, you may remember the game ending on an errant field goal by Scott Norwood, which went wide right. Sorry, Bills Mafia. <laughs> in 1991, now Bill Belichick was the defensive coordinator for the Giants at the time, and there was a gentleman in their offensive backfield who had a very pedestrian 780 yards rushing that season. He isn't in the Hall of Fame and probably never will be, but he certainly got his 15 minutes of fame in that Super Bowl rushing for over 100 yards and a touchdown. Oh, can I? I know who this is. Who is it? I loved him. O.J. Anderson. Man, he was fantastic in that Super Bowl. Uh, yep. if, it, if, it, uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, they had a drive in that game because they wanted to keep the ball out of the hands of Jim Kelly Jim and Kelly the no-huddle offense, offense, right? Yeah. And uh, they had a, uh, a 13 and a half minute or so long drive, and a lot of that was uh, O.J. Anderson, man. Yep. The U. It's all about the U. It's all about the U. Yeah, out of the University of Miami. Otis O.J. Anderson. Well, this year will be similar. It will be another Anderson from the backfield, this time of the L.A. Rams, and that is C.J. Anderson. Now, such a wagered proposition will handsomely pay 16 to 1. C.J. Anderson, your Super Bowl 53's MVP. You know what? I'd take that bet. You know, Jared Goff needs a good running game to get going. And uh, the way Todd Gurley was, uh, they were like – he he did well. We well. don't even know if Todd Gurley's healthy for yeah, the game yet. Right? I was just going to say the injury report. Yeah, like I, I, I'd be wary about that guy uh, because he just didn't look like he had it against the Saints. And thank God they went out and got C.J. Anderson. I, I think that the load is going to fall on him. And well, you're they had, right. They had 230 yards rushing collectively in the game against Dallas. Right? Yeah, that was disgusting. That was that a was. huge rushing performance. And when you got an O line like that too, really, uh, I know that if if that were to happen in the Super Bowl, C.J. Anderson would get the MVP. But let's face it, you'd you'd want to give the MVP to the O line. Well, no, you can't. Obviously, no, I suppose not. I mean, John Madden used to do it in Thanksgiving Day games. He'd give him each a a drumstick, but that's when he had turkeys with eight drumsticks yeah. <laughs> from, from, from Chernobyl. I would assume. Yeah. I don't know. Even in the 80, in, even in 85, the bears, uh, super bowl, you could have given the, uh, the super bowl MVP to the entire defensive line of the bears, but, uh, they gave it to Richard Dent. So it usually, it does got to go to one guy. I forgot. I went to Dent, not single. Yeah. yeah Richard Sorry, Dent. Huh. All right, Matty. Uh, let's start with the total. It's at 56 and a half. Um, it, it hasn't, it hasn't wavered too much. Um, let's not speculate on where it's going to go. Um, other than usually the public bets it up closer to game time. That's not what we saw last year. And with the total sitting so high, I'm not sure if we're going to see it this year. So let's not try to guess, but what's your opinion on that particular total? I'm thinking it goes under both these teams are going to do a lot more rushing. Uh, the defenses, I think will hold them a little bit. Like, I mean, this isn't going to be the Pats versus the uh, Kansas City Chiefs here. This is this is going to be. A, a, I think that Sean McVay knows as well. You want to get the rushing going because you want to keep the ball out of Tom Brady's hands. So I think there isn't going to be as many chances to score. I could see this. I, I could see this this game total going anywhere between like forty four to fifty two, maybe tops. Yeah, I mean, I, in their last two games, the Patriots have had at least two drives over eight minutes long, which 
rarely happens. But at 56 and a half, that means you need more than two touchdowns a quarter to cover that number. Um, I, I, I too think it's going to go under. Uh, what I'm waiting for is the first half total to go from 27 or 27 and a half, uh, wherever your book sits at right now. And as soon as that ticks up to 28, I'm going to jump all over the under uh, for the first half. But as far as the game total, I've got a slight lead to the under. Hopefully it won't go to overtime. Or right, how about Maddie. the winner? Here we are. New England Patriots minus two and a half point favorites over the Los Angeles Rams. Who are you picking? I'll tell you this. I'm not even going against the spread. I'm taking the Rams straight up on the money line. I think their conversations are a lot better when I disagree with you, but it's not going to happen right now. Ah, team to hoist the Lombardi trophy at the end of the game will be the Los Angeles Rams. All right. All right. All this, right. And that, you know, that could be the start of a new dynasty. Sean McVay's a young guy. And so is Jared Goff still on his rookie deal. Like uh, they got a lot of time. Yeah. I mean, if CJ Anderson can, you know, cut down to about two sixty and not have a heart attack in the off season, you know, at least they got a legitimate running game as well. He's got to stop cooking the, uh, you know, the eggs in the bacon grease in the morning. You got to cut oh, that down. You do. You do. <laughs> yeah. So we're picking the Rams. eh, buddy. We are you know, on the Rams. You and I have been kicked in the balls enough picking against the Patriots, but it's well, got to happen sometimes. It's got to happen sometimes. We both picked the Eagles last year to win it. We did. And in addition to that, we used uh, on the cover of our podcast, there was only one player showing it, and it was a Philadelphia Eagle from week one. Yep. So there you go. Well, thank you to all our fans for listening to the Super Bowl extravaganza episode of Almost Wise Guys. And definitely from the bottom of my heart and from Andy's heart, thank you for all of you for tuning in all season long. The The biggest thing that I miss now about the offseason is not be, being able to chat with Andy every week about the games coming up. And I, it just makes me look so much forward to next season. So thank you, everybody, for tuning in. If you like what you heard, Definitely hit that subscribe button on iTunes or on SoundCloud so you don't miss a show because next year we are going to be back up and running for another great season of Almost Wise Guys. Make sure you also hit us up on our Facebook fan page from the Cosa Nostra Studios for the last time this year. For Andy the Prognosticator Attridge, back at Almost Wise Guys Central, I'm Matty Buller. Enjoy your Super Sunday. Get out and pick yourself a winner. If you liked our podcast, please share it with a friend. If you hated our podcast, please share it with two enemies. Tune in next season at the same bet time on the same bet channel. Sayonara. You're better, you're better, you're better.